You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. All things Facebook, it's 4 o'clock. Do you know where your data are? We're betting no. Neither side of the aisle seems content with the answers Mr. Zuckerberg gave to the Senate panel. He's speaking before a House panel today. Patch Tuesday notes, cyber tensions continue to rise as kinetic and chemical tensions rise between Russia and the West. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, April 11th, 2018. The news today continues to be dominated by all things Facebook, with generous dollops of big data and aspirations for a future cleansed by artificial intelligence. As Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg moves from the Senate's frying pan to the House's fire, it appears that Facebook permissions allowed some apps to read messages between some users and their friends. The numbers seem not to be large, at least in the context of a story that's customarily dealt in tens of millions like the 85 million who had other data scraped by Cambridge Analytica. About 1,500 users are believed to have had their messages accessed via permissions they gave the personality quiz app used by a Cambridge University researcher in cooperation with Cambridge Analytica. The practice ended in October 2015. Until then, the app had requested access to inboxes through the Read Mailbox permission, which Facebook says it got around to fully deprecating in the fall of 2015. Yesterday's testimony appears to have won the social media platform few friends on either side of the aisle. Senator Maria Cantwell, a Democrat of Washington, asked questions about Palantir, the big data analytics firm whose co-founder Peter Thiel sits on Facebook's board. Her suggestion was that Facebook had colluded with Palantir to deliver data that could be used in connection with Cambridge Analytica's activities. One Palantir employee is said to have done some work for Cambridge Analytica on his own time. Beyond that, the senator's questions were based on the a priori possibility that Mr. Thiel could have sought Facebook's help with the Trump presidential campaign. Mr. Zuckerberg answered that issues of election interference and data privacy had come up at board meetings and that the company was determined to get those issues right. Senator Ted Cruz, a Republican of Texas, asked whether Facebook's content controls exhibited a leftist bias, citing a number of conservative and religious pages that had run afoul of the company's gatekeepers. Is Facebook a neutral commons where all manner of ideas might be exchanged, or is it a corporate person exercising its First Amendment rights? Mr. Zuckerberg said, basically, that it's more neutral field than advocate. His answer was that he was, quote, "...very committed to making sure that Facebook is a platform for all ideas." That is a very important founding principle of what we do. That is something that, as long as I'm running the company, I'm going to be committed to making sure is the case. End quote. He did say that because of Facebook's location in very liberal Silicon Valley, 
there might be some sort of progressive bias, but that this wasn't his intention. The senator's performance strikes much of the industry press as revealing interesting gaps in the lawmaker's familiarity with technology. In fairness to the senators, however, they're not the only ones who have trouble grasping how Facebook handles data. Wired thinks most users are in the same boat. Consider the now-deprecated read mailbox permission. A doctrinaire defender of contractual rights might ask, what could anyone find to object to this? After all, you said they could look into your mailbox, didn't you? The problem observers see with this is the complexity and opacity of the way such permissions are embedded in terms of service. And even Mr. Zuckerberg acknowledged before the Senate panel, most people don't read those, let alone understand them. It's a fair question. If EULAs and terms of service require as much, if not more, legal advice than does, say, the drawing of a will or drafting of a deed or incorporating a small business, in what meaningful sense does agreeing to them constitute informed consent? Mr. Zuckerberg indicated willingness to accept closer government regulation of social media. This is probably a concession to reality. Some such regulation seems very much in the air. But it's also a tacit acknowledgement of the place Facebook now has in the online community. It's no longer the scrappy disruptor. It's pre-breakup Standard Oil or Ma Bell. Regulation can preserve big incumbents at least as readily as it can constrain them. The Facebook CEO also said he expected that artificial intelligence should have hate speech under control within five to ten years. He avoided defining hate speech beyond saying it was things we could all agree on, and his technological optimism seemed to some observers not just to be doing a lot of hand-waving at the problems intentionality poses for any such program, but also to overlook the origins of artificial intelligence in natural intelligence. Any problems in natural intelligence are likely to find their Tin Man analog in our artificial progeny. The Facebook CEO's testimony continues today, this time before a House panel. Most of us, from time to time, find ourselves needing to recover a lost or forgotten password, and so we rely on password recovery systems to securely reset or remind us what our chosen password is. Nawel Sanchez is a senior security researcher at Onapsis. Along with his colleague, Martine Donard, they'll be presenting a session at RSA next week called I Forgot Your Password, Breaking Modern Password Recovery Systems. Nawel joins us for a preview of their presentation. One important thing that we saw during our research, and I think the main issue, was that there isn't any default solution to implement these kind of mechanisms. The main challenge, I think, is a really critical in the sense that it's almost as critical as, for example, a, a login page or a login authentication mechanism. Uh, bugs found in, in password recovery systems will lead to a, account takeovers or a full compromise uh, of the system. So it's really complex code that is in charge of highly critical functions for a system. And so when you were uh, doing your research and looking into this sort of thing, what sorts of vulnerabilities did you find? We found different things, but uh, the most complex one or the most important were SQL injections and design error decisions. So I, I think having a password recovery system, I think most people would would acknowledge is a is a basic function that you need to have. Do you think that there needs to be some sort of standardization of this? Uh, I think so. I mean, as part of our research, we found that there aren't uh, default solutions, 
And maybe that's because every every application or web application or business application is completely different and, and needs uh, different functionalities for the users. But I think that there are good uh, improvements, uh, such as the usage of two-factor authentication for password recovery mechanism get used with uh, Google, for example, that uh, has that, that uh, option to allow users to have a secure or, or more secure way of resetting their, their passwords. That's Noel Sanchez. He's a senior security researcher at Onapsis. Along with his colleague, Martin Donard, they'll be presenting at RSA next week on April 19th. The session is called, I Forgot Your Password, Breaking Modern Password Recovery Systems. Patch Tuesday addressed 66 Microsoft bugs. One is an unusual keyboard issue. Another is a SharePoint vulnerability that Redmond says hasn't been exploited in the wild, despite its having leaked in advance of the patch. Editorialists urge the EU to get serious about sanctioning Russia, support for Assad in Syria being the country's most recent offense. Attacks on infrastructure by Russian operators are still widely expected. Some U.S. officials in and around NSA and U.S. Cyber Command hint not so darkly about an ability to hold Russian infrastructure at risk. We'll see what the near future holds, but it sounds as if the world is moving closer toward either deterrence or open cyber conflict. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration, Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire.
And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Justin Harvey. He's the Global Incident Response Leader at Accenture. Justin, welcome back. You know, you and I have spoken about cyber hygiene from time to time, and uh, today you wanted to make the point that some people have some surprising blind spots when it comes to that. Yeah, when I think about cyber hygiene, I think about having the right trained people and the right technology and the right processes to shore up your cyber defense posture or your cybersecurity program, which means plugging even the smallest holes. And if you're not focused on doing cyber defense or cybersecurity well in your organization, you might have a few of these blind spots. And one of the potential dangers out there are the adventation and the usage of what we call PUPs, potentially unwanted programs. Hmm. PUPs these days can come in many forms. They can It can be adware, which has been around for over a decade. It can be spyware, clickware. It could be um, simply a dropper that responds to requests to participate in a distributed denial service attack or a botnet in the future, or even uh, cryptocurrency uh, mining software. You could have some software on them that's just essentially creating, printing money for uh, for cyber criminals out there. Hmm. These potentially unwanted programs are sucking your resources. They are drawing CPU, they're drawing power, and they're also diverting the focus of your security operations center team or your incident response team in working through cases here. Because essentially, many times you don't know if you have a potentially unwanted program or if the alert is a potentially unwanted program or if it's a, a real threat. So it devotes time and effort from your security operations center or your incident response team. The, the true danger here is you have no idea who has a foothold on your system at this point. You know that you may have a potentially unwanted program. Let's take the most benign of examples. It brings up a window every day, and it says, go to the site, or it consistently tries to change your homepage from Google to somewhere where they're harvesting the clicks. Mm. The problem with this is that you have no idea who that is. And what we are seeing is a trend where cyber criminals are deploying these, they're keeping them low profile, and they're actually profiling the victims. Some victims are part of large multinational or or global companies. Well, they're actually selling those footholds to nation states or other cyber criminals who will pay top dollar for entree uh, into your organization. The second thing is where there's smoke, there's fire. Those potentially unwanted programs have to get onto your enterprise's system somehow, either through users uh, clicking on the wrong links. That denotes the need for uh, better email security, better security awareness training, etc. Or they're coming in via a vulnerability or exploiting a vulnerability that is latent within the server or the workstation to date. So uh, those are a couple things to keep in mind and why it's so important to keep your cyber hygiene up to snuff. Justin Harvey, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. 
Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.